<laughs> oh, they want money. I'll tell you this. I, 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 I seriously. Do you know that I'm a member? Let me let me figure it out now. How many unions I'm in? Let's see. There's uh, there's that social club that I pay every month. That's after. Let's see. There's after. Uh, let's see. There's uh, uh, AFM. Uh, believe it or not, there's uh, AGVA. Oh yeah, and how? There's uh, Equity. Uh, there's uh, SAG. Let's see how many. That's six already. Uh, I am also a member, and this is this is this is talk about one-upmanship, boy. I'm a member of 1010 Local 1010 United Steelworkers of the U.S. of A. Oh, I keep that one up, boy. You never know. Uh, <laughs> I don't let that one lapse. You know, I never know. I might be right back there with a Melton gang, but. Uh, Many listeners have right, written in and su suggested, as a matter of fact, that I rejoin the Melvin gang on the 40-inch coal strip. But uh, I say that that's just green envy. I can tell envious people whenever I... I throw away all envious mail immediately. But nevertheless, I have... Let's see, that's how many? That's seven unions I'm a member of. Seven unions. I'm a member of, of, of seven organizations devoted to my betterment. <laughs> and I'm still here. <laughs> I'll never forget, you know, uh, for, for those of you, for those of you who uh, do not carry a wad of union cards around in your pockets, you know, if I ever had was called upon to produce my credentials, I would have to bring out eight wallets. Uh, I have more credentials. Yeah, all kinds of buttons and badges and stuff. Someday I'm going to really scare the, the daylights out of one of the executives around here. I'm going to come wearing all my union buttons. You know, I'm down both, both lapels, <laughs> a whole bunch. And, and uh, the, the, probably the wildest union I've ever seen was the Steelworkers Union. That's, that's a great union, I'll tell you. Well, at least the local that I was a member of. They believed in club fighting. They did. Well, it was purely amateur. They would fight uh, across the street at a Bluebird Bar across from the Union Hall, and it was a kind of a club fighting. You'd hear one guy would get up, you know, some 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 big heavy-set Slovakian-type guy would... would they're, they're yelling about some esoteric point, like whether or not they should get two ice cream dips at the canteen outside of the open hearth, or one and a half, you know, what they've been getting. And they're yelling, they want to go out on strike. I've seen the entire... I've seen almost the entire production of the steel world, uh, the steel world of, of the United States stop because of things like that they're cutting down on the amount of vegetables in the vegetable soup at the canteen. Oh, yeah, they get very mad about that kind of stuff. And and the way it generally works, uh, seriously, I'm a little kid, you know, and I'm a member of Local 1010. I'm sitting down there working in the 40-inch soaking pits at that time. And you, you keep your mouth shut. You, know? <laughs> you, know, you don't say much. And, and all these guys are all hunched over on the wooden shelves, the wooden benches. And up on the, up on the front there in the platform is the guy running the union. Now, he's got blue jowls. And one thing you got to know about those guys, they got blue jowls that go all the way down to their ankles. And the blue jowls, you know, little beady blue eyes up there. And, and he's got a, he's got a, a, one of these big hammers, you know, big gavel that he, he brought, draws the meeting to an order. And it's the first gavel I ever knew that came with 38 cartridges, uh, 38 caliber cartridges. And, oh yeah, he'd bang a bop, bop, shut up, you guys! Meet and come to order! There'd be a long pregnant pause, and you'd hear about seven open hearth gangs They're waiting to put their proposal before the before the membership. You know, I'm eating Kalora, I said, shut up, you guys. All right, local 1010, 
United Steelworkers of America, we are now in session. Shut up! All right. Now let's hear from the treasurer. And the treasurer gets up, and it turns out to be Alice the Goon. You remember from Popeye? The treasurer gets up, is seven and a half feet tall, and has bulges under both elbows. And the treasurer gets up and says, We ain't got no money. Any questions? All right, now, let's have the other side of the local report. We want more money. You guys are going to have to raise your dues. Uh, let's see, I figured it out. A dollar and a half a month, beginning now. Pass up the dollar and a half, I'll wait. And the treasurer. Any questions about the treasurer report? What'd you say? All right. That ends the objection to the treasurer's report. <laughs> well, I'm sitting back there huddled, you know. <laughs> and I'll never forget. You don't want to hear any more about this. Do you really? Uh, I'll never forget there was a big sign that hung over the locker. And it was in these whoopy new decorator shades, you know, yellow, pink, blue, green. And it said, if you complain, if you have any, any, uh, any problems, please bring them to your union local. <laughs> you know, and it signed your shop steward. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll never forget the time that one of the guys who worked on my labor gang tried to bring the problem. Uh, he was having problems. Of course, we all had problems. We had roaches roughly the size of small elephants that ran around. Yeah, that you could hear. You know, I, it's the only place I've ever worked where you could actually hear the roaches just walking. Uh, you could hear their feet hitting the ground, and you could hear them once in a while. You'd hear them chewing on your sandwich, you know, when you when you close the door in your locker and so on. So he came in, and he says, I'll never forget, he says, any, any uh, requests from the floor, any, anything anybody want to bring up? And they look down at you, because when they look down and say that, they look down, and their eyes look like a pair of acetylene torches, you know, like, you know, look out, Mac. And so uh, the, the guy gets up next to me, and McGuire stands up right next to me, and he says, he says, yeah, uh, I'd like to bring up a little problem here. Because, uh, 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 you know, the whole you know, there's a whole front row of guys that turn around, and they want to know who this klutz is. Have you ever gotten up in a union when, when, when you're not one of the in crowd? Who is this klutz? You know, <laughs> I mean, who is this guy? You know, as a matter of fact, what, what I've often found, and incidentally, as I say, I've got, I've got more cards. Listen, Jack says he's got active union cards licenses, real estate broker's license, longshoreman's union card, truck driver's license, water safety instructor's permit. <laughs> well, if you're going to include licenses, Jack, I've got a few of those, too, hanging around. <laughs> We're all permitted to do all this great stuff. Well, uh, they're, they're in every in every union, I, don't, I guess it's 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 the it's the part of it's just mankind. It's the way mankind works. It's nothing to do with you know. Everybody's immediately thinking you know, Shepard is good. he's against this or he's for this or not. No, I think part of 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 the way it works, the way it works, being a being, Larry, you know, just being a walking around scratching person, you know, spit and sweat and holler. The part of being this is this quick division that always happens in any group between the guys that are in charge and the rest of us. There's nothing you can do about it. It's just the way mankind is. And, and, and I'm sure you know that when you were in school, in every class, in every class that you were in, there was a nucleus of guys whose hands were always in the air waving. It was a tight little nucleus. And, and you were never either, you're never part of that. Now, if you were part of that crowd, you're not listening to this show. 
<laughs> I can tell you that. We separate the sheep from the goats right away. If you're a part of that crowd, you're right now sitting at Sardi's under a picture of Barbara Streisand wearing shades. And uh, you know, there's a little, <laughs> there is a little in-group in every crowd of people immediately. Now, that doesn't mean they're qualified. That does not mean that they have talent or anything. That just means they're the loud ones. Speaking of the, uh, this is WOR AM and FM New Yorkie. And hit the button there, please, if you will, Doctor. Miller Highlights in Pop and Pour cans. Distinctive Miller Highlights in Pop and Pour cans. Just Pop and Pour Miller Highlights, the champagne of bottled beer. No opener needed. And inside every can, enjoy the hearty yet light goodness of Miller Highlights. Brewed from a century old recipe, only in Milwaukee. Miller High Life always gives you that perfect taste in beer every time. Always a bright, clear taste. Unequaled, unquestioned, unchanging. Now you can enjoy refreshing Miller High Life in Pop and Pour cans. Pop and Pour Miller High Life. Always sparkling, flavorful, distinctive. Now Pop and Pour cans. You know, I'd love to talk about this uh, this side of the business. You never hear. You notice none of these guys ever talk about that. You never hear Johnny Carson talking about the union. But the point about most unions that we're all in is that there's always a little nucleus of people to whom the union is an end in itself. You know what I mean by that? It's an end in itself. Now, they've long since stopped doing whatever it is the union is about, you know. They they don't, they don't if they're, carp they're not carpenting, you know, they... They just go to union meetings, and in fact, uh, the, the, the entertainment unions are, are really uh, more that way than anything, any other union I've ever known. Now, I'm not talking about the professional guys who, uh, who are the union, uh, oh, you know, the, the treasurer, the guys that the, the union hires to be the, to, to be the lawyer, and the guys that, you know, the president and all that stuff. I'm talking about the guys that are always running for the board. You know, there's a, and, and incidentally, I, 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 one of the, one of the funniest things, this is a very in thing, and I suppose I'm boring a lot of you, but, but any member of one of the, enter, any one of the entertainment unions is, has to be hit by one fact. There must be more elections that go on in unions. Believe me, there are more elections go on in unions than they draw beer uh, bottles of beer over at Downey's. How <laughs> serious? It seems like every week there's a union election. And we get the, the, the ballots, you know. And I haven't sent in a ballot in 109 years. I don't know anybody who ever votes. You know? <laughs> and, and, the, and the weird thing about it is it's always the same guys running. And, and, and there are always, there's one list of guys called the, the liberals or something, and there's a group of guys called the conservatives, and they're constantly running each other. They're old pals, these, these two opposing factions, and all the rest of us just send the money in, <laughs> you know, for, for the picnic or whatever it is they're doing. And, and what, what makes it so, so interesting is that this is so much a microcosm of our own world, you know, everybody's world. That, that if, if, if the ladies, you know, the ladies out at, uh, out at, uh, Greenpoint or the ladies, uh, somewhere over in Jersey someplace in Fort Lee organize a card party, they organize, maybe they organize a, a Saturday afternoon bridge club. Believe me, within 15 minutes of this organization of the club, there is one little group of ladies who are in charge. 
and they are going to be in charge come you know what and high water. I mean, that's the end of it, or they don't play the game. They just don't. Now, this is this is part of of, of human nature, really. Uh, you can carry all of these things into a larger stage. Uh, the first time I ever ran into this was, as I say, in the in the steelworkers union. I I always had an idea, you know, a kid. I've been reading about unions and hearing about it in the paper and stuff. And I always thought they were like, uh, you know, a big bunch of guys who all get together to work out problems. So they're <laughs> and they're all interested in each other's problems, and they're all together, and they're marching forward to better the the better the working conditions and everything else. And I never never realized until I got in there that it's like every other group, the Boy Scouts. We had about four tyrants that ran through forty one. Uh, you know, these these are the guys that immediately get to be uh, they they get direct missions. You know, <laughs> I had to work my way up through tenderfoot, through second-class scout by dint of fantastic struggling and learning how to do the sheep shank knot. I finally got, you know, these guys somehow were born Eagle Scouts. Uh, and, and immediately they're in charge. They're running the whole thing. All right, all you guys over the most patrol line up over here. And the guy's the same age as me, you know. He's running the scene. He's got a big hat on. Well, this, this crowd is found in every human gathering. And it, it must have been a, a, a cataclysmic time for mankind when the first time it happened. I thought, you know, man was just a scratching around, moving around animal. And he moved, you know, and chewed his cud and looked out over those ancient primeval lakes. And then one day, Charlie looked around at Og and said, stand up straight. Og <laughs> said, oh, what do you, you mean? He said, stand up straight. I say, you stand straight. Well... That began the whole scene, and today we're here. We are. Well, you know, uh, speaking of uh, speaking of the non-workers, of course, the thing that I think sets the inner group of the union people outside of the uh, really outside the pale of the other people is that in general, the guys that are that are the inner group of the runners of the union people, wherever they are, are those who really no longer do this. Either they never really quite succeeded. Have any of you ever heard what kind of a trumpet player Petrillo was? Did he blow a good horn? I mean, have you ever heard about that? You remember Petrillo, the famous guy that ran the musicians' union for years? Well, did he run? Did he play a good horn or not? I mean, uh, did he have to pass the same test all the other guys have to pass? You know, when he came in to play the horn there. Well, these are just questions, and and so in the end, you, you, I, I suspect that that uh, the people. That's another thing, you know. When you first come into the entertainment field, this is something that uh, maybe uh, maybe uh, no, I've, I've never heard anybody talk about it. But uh, when you first get into the entertainment field, one of the great moments in your life is to be admitted to entertainment union. Somehow, people feel that if they're uh, if they're a member of SAG, which is S A G, the Green Actors Guild, if you're a member of SAG, you automatically somehow are in the same crowd and are doing the same thing as Cary Grant. <laughs> and so so there's 18,000 little, uh, little, little typists with terrible problems of malocution and, uh, and thick glasses working all over town who carry a SAG card in their pocket. And they, they worked once. They got called in a big crowd scene in a commercial for a Guy Lombardo TV show in the fall of 1951, and they've never forgotten it. Uh, I, 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 uh, I remember. Of course, what, what, what usually happens, these people get very active in the union then. And, you know, you always hear about the number of people that are in, say, equity and the number that actually work. 
Well, equity cards, you know, the, you, this is this is a thing. You, you get a, you get to be a member of this union, and there's something like thirty thousand members, or something like that. And uh, uh, there is roughly about fifteen hundred members who actually work in any given season in anything at all. All the rest of them vote. Uh, <laughs> they circulate ballots and petitions, and they march with signs. And uh, they bring out their equity card and show it to other people, see? And if you ever really ask these people if they ever acted or worked or what they did, oh, yeah, 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 they, they were in the theater. And it turns out what they did once in the fall of 1949, a cousin of theirs produced a, pro, uh, a, a, produced a show on 2nd Avenue, and they had a bunch of soldiers that came in, you see, and he earned $3 because the show, or the show lasted one day. And he is a member of equity ever <laughs> since that, and he religiously pays his dues. Well, these uh, these are these uh, these mythological and you know, Jim, you you know about this scene, and and uh, I've been I've been in about nineteen after locals, and I've come to know the look of the professional after man. There's a certain look in his eye, you see, and he's very interested in procedure, and he's always interested in what he calls reform, and various other things. But if you ask him what he's actually doing, you know, well, uh, I'm freelancing. <laughs> freelancing. Well, what he's doing is freelancing for a place on the board. Well, now, uh, this is not being anti-union. I know this meeting is going to get back to headquarters, and tomorrow morning there's going to be a phone call here at WR, and I'm going to pick it up, and there's going to be a guy from the union who's going to say, Fink! Fink! <laughs> but it's fun, you know. Let's face it. It's all part of the great big fantastic game of Scrabble that we're playing called Life anyway, and it's fun. So who cares, you know? I don't care whether WOR's rating is higher than, than ba Channel A next to me or Channel B on the other side, you know? It really doesn't make any difference. Have you ever thought about all that? About this fantastic thing called civilization? What what a gigantic game of monolopy it is? Well, it's just, you know, kind of a big game. Now, Americans are slowly coming to to to, to, to see this thing. Very few are, are beginning to realize that, that life can is really just a tremendous game of one kind or another. People play with chips and things called success. Uh, you know, it's like, have you ever played these games where they got the little dice and uh, you roll it and it says move uh, four spaces forward? And then you roll the next one and it says move two spaces forward and then you land on the red space and it says go back to go, take, take a card out of the jackpot card list and uh, serve four terms in jail. And you're aiming towards this blue square at the end called success, whatever that strange mythological blue square is. It's success. And on the way, you hit little squares called happiness. You hit squares called rottenness. You hit squares called funsville. Incidentally, that's a whole subject. I'd like to do a whole series of shows on the new concept in America that fun is a dynamic thing. That fun is a thing the Beatles have. That uh, fun is a thing that uh, that people do in the movies. Uh, that that new thing, that mythological thing. You know, they used to talk about success is a myth. It's a will of the wisp, a wraith. Well, that thing called fun. Now, I'm not talking about enjoyment. That's another thing. I'm talking about the new concept of spreading dynamic, explosive fun, you know? The kind of thing as represented by the Hard Day's Night, you know, the Beatles, this kind of thing, where, where forever and ever the Beatles are running through fields, holding hands and yelling and screaming and singing, that this kind of idea of fun has caused large numbers of people, 
to feel today that their lives are not blessed with it. Have you noticed that the fun concept has seeped into thousands of commercials? Uh, you watch, uh, everything is fun. Yeah, it's fun to take a bath with that certain kind of soap. And you take it and all you do is slip on it and hit your head on the tub. You know, seriously, you take it, it's like any other soap. Uh, you use toothpaste, the fun toothpaste. Well, now you, you brush it and all you do is you get a certain uh, kind of a crummy taste that's left in your mouth for three or four hours. And, and various beers, there's fun beers, there's fun cars. Uh, now, what is fun, really, in that abstract concept? It's an absence, a total absence of two things, responsibility and trouble. Now, now, when you buy a fun beer, for example, it never occurs to you that it can get flat when you've drunk half a can, or it's warm, or, or it, uh, it, you get cut on the can drinking it. You know, you never see this scene. Or have you ever now? Now, I, one of the greatest examples of the fun concept in action. A few seasons ago, they had a commercial on the air about the new pop top cans. Have you seen this? And it was so much fun that all this girl did. Did you see that girl? She she opened all the cans. She went and ordered 28 cans, and she was going, oh, oh wow, oh, oh. She was having so much fun opening cans. They had to invite the whole neighborhood in to have a party to drink up all the beer she opened. It was that much fun. Well, I'm watching this commercial scene. I said, gee, that is fun. You know, that adds a new dimension to drinking beer. So ten minutes later, I'm down at the supermarket, and I get myself a six-pack, and I come back up to the pad, and I'm going to have an afternoon of fun, opening cans, see? So I take a hold of this can, and I go, oh, and the blood squirts all the way to the ceiling. And here's my thumb hanging by a shred, and the can is not open yet. Holy smokes. Well, I have not yet, I have not yet cured this problem. As you look now, I'm known as old one-finger chef now, you know? <laughs> and, and they never, uh, there is the dichotomy. I have never known anybody who dug these things, uh, who really had that, but they had to pretend it was fun. So in, 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 in the end, what happens is that a person compares his life, his experience, with the, uh, I suppose you might say, the representative experience of those who are using it in the commercial or who are in the movies or in whatever it is that's happening. Now, here, here's an example. You, you hear that pop art is fun. And, and you pick up Vogue magazine and you see all these guys with long golden hair, these long thin guys, you know, with the velvet pants running around having fun. And it's a great fun concept. Well, the other day I went down to the Museum of Modern Art and there is no sadder crowd than a bunch of people at 3 o'clock in the afternoon walking around having an uproarious fun afternoon looking at pop art. They just walk around, you know, and their eyes look like a couple of oysters, and they're moving. Now, I suspect that they all feel that they are falling short personally. They somehow, uh, the real Andy Warhol fans are living in one life of, woo -hoo, woo -hoo, you know, with baby Jane Holzer and the whole scene. See, now, I am submitting to you that this is a total myth. Just like the old success concept was a total myth. You know, I happen to know the Beatles personally. And the Beatles are about as far removed from A Hard Day's Night, that movie, as, believe me, uh, uh, King Kong is removed from Anthony Perkins. They ain't the same thing at all. Now, I'm sure that large numbers of people seeing the, a, a movie like the Beatles movie think, gee, you know... 
this is the way, you know, this is fun. So, so fun has begun to be, <laughs> I suspect, now I may be talking slowly here because I'm, I'm working through ideas here that have occurred to me, and I, I, uh, I've had to come to peace myself with that, you see, that I have come to suspect that what fun consists of now, really, in the absolute essence of fun in our time, is going to a place and sitting down and watching other people have what we abstractly call fun. You, you follow that? <laughs> Does that have any validity to you, Jim? In other words, fun is going to watch the Beatles have fun, you see. And after that, you go back out and you walk along 58th Street, you know, and all the poodles have been making the scene along the sidewalks there, and you're knee-deep, and you know what, you know, and you're living that way. And so you <laughs> that's reality. That's life. See? So, yeah, uh, so the average person, after he has been exposed to this new abstract concept of fun, as represented by so many magazines, uh, uh, Vogue, Harper's Bazaar, there are all kinds of magazines, I'm sure that the average girl, after she puts down Vogue magazine and her head is spinning, you know, with a whole new fun thing, I think, I think now, now I may, may have to add one more thing. Uh, again, this may be, this may be, uh, this may be uh, open to a very wide question. It's just a personal observation here. I suspect that this is primarily a girl thing. In other words, uh, this I don't know know why or not. This is no anti-chick remark, but I think this is primarily a girl thing because throughout the ages, the one word that has been heard in homes that I've heard said by many married friends of mine constantly, I hear this constantly all around me, where the wife will say, the trouble with Charlie is he's an old stick in the mud. If we could only have fun, uh, you know, why don't we ever have fun, Charlie? Why don't we have fun? Well, uh... You know what? What is it? You know, Charlie doesn't know, so he takes everybody to the beach, and she says, "You know, you just you, we go to the beach, and what do you do? You sit around. Well, what's he supposed to do? You know?" Or, or they say, "You go. We 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 go to see Sound of Music. What do you do? You fall asleep in the middle of it." And and if only. And now there is a. This produces in the chick's mind her idea of a of a Superman of fun. Now this is a man to whom, if she could only get involved with would provide her with these continual ecstatic moments of totally running free through the through the grass of Central Park without the poodles and all that, you know, running through Central Park grass into her and her barefoot into the sunrise, constantly at dawn, you know. <laughs> now, now uh, there's been no other medium that has been more uh, perhaps active in this field than the movies. The movies have produced this dream constantly, you see. But there was a time, Jim, the difference here, is there was a time when people recognized that as a dream world. In other words, the dream world of uh, Ginger Rogers and Fred Astaire. Nobody, my mother, never once went to see Ginger Rogers and Fred Astaire and came home and looked at my old man and said, Why just once? Why don't you dance on the top of the piano? Just once? Why don't you get yourself a set of, of long swallowtail coats and get yourself a a cane with an ivory head and why don't you sing uh, it's the lovely to me just once never but I suspect that large numbers of chicks are beginning to fall prey to the Beatlemania and believe that all the men around them and the world around them is inadequate to this concept of ecstatic fun now I saw this when I was in Britain uh, I saw this in a, in, in a real in, in genuine action terms uh, in, in thousands of concerts uh, throughout Europe, 
uh, they have found that the, that the real screaming, that the, that the real involvement in this abstract world of fun, uh, represented by the Beatles on stage, is primarily a girl movement. Uh, this is not a male movement at all. Uh, this has hardly ever been pointed out in magazines. They often say, you know, this is the Beatle fans, as though this is a universal crowd. It's not a universal crowd. I would say for every male Beatle fan, there probably are close to a thousand female Beatle fans. And uh, it's just, it's just a, a, a feeling that is in the air. Now, on the other hand, I think what is also coupled with this idea of fun. How do we get into this deepie here? This idea? <laughs> do you want to hear any more about that? But you find you find fun, uh, the concept of fun, is beginning to enter into what could be called the most mundane of our existence. Our, our day. For example, uh, have you noticed? Have you noticed even such things as Roto Rooter commercials? Somehow, getting a stopped-up drain is fun. You call your Roto Rooter man, and that little truck goes. Comes down, you know, and it goes through the drains, and everything is happy and fun. Uh, this has been sold by car manufacturers. Cars are no longer an automobile. There's not a machine, you know, that you get in, and it has valves, and it has it has pistons, and it has differentials and stuff. The automobile is an adventure. It's a fun experience. Uh, and so, where does the where does the profound disillusionment set in? I mean, where where does where is Ulcerville? Well, Ulcerville, and now here I saw a scene that just tonight when I'm coming in. I was one, I was thinking about this thing, Jim. I saw a scene of one of the more prominent fun cars in America. This is a fun car. It's famous as a fun car. It's being sold as a fun car. In fact, they even have rock and roll spots on the air about the fun car, you know. Well, apparently at the corner of 50th and 6th Avenue, this fun car ran into a non-fun car. <laughs> well... <laughs> you should have seen the fun car, I'll tell you. Uh, you you wondered, have you ever wondered what, what else they do with Reynolds Wrap besides wrap pickles? Well, they make cars out of it. You should have seen this car. It was it was a fantastic mess. And here was this guy standing out. It was a sad sight, you know, because somehow the crowd watching this, it was like seeing the American dream uh, shattered before your eyes. Here is this fun, it was as shiny as a new penny. This car probably was out of the showroom like eight and a half minutes. You could see the white walls were glistening, you see, where there wasn't all radiator fluid squirted all over it from, you know, where the stuff squirted out. Here it was, brilliant. You could see the seats and everything. The windows were shining. Boom! He'd hit this guy, obviously, either from poor visibility or from bad brakes or from a combination of both. But here it was, right out there in front of everybody at six. And, 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 and right 6th and 50th Street, right in the heart of the fun belt, there was a fun hotel next to us there. Have you ever gone to a fun hotel and then gotten that fun bill at the end of it? Never talk about this scene, you know. Or can you imagine? You never see the scene immediately after they've shot the Beatles, you know, running through the field. Uh, you know, they're all running, they're being beetle. Oh, come on, George, let go, run, 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 let go, George, oh boy, oh, aren't we clever, George, let go, come on, walk away. And they run through the field, and immediately after the camera stops, Ringo looks on, what is this on my foot? What have I got on a foot? You come on, you crazy director, make everyone run through all this ridiculous, rotten grass, I got all of them on my foot. Come over here, look what's on my foot. Well, you don't see that scene, you see, which is there. By the way, speaking of fun, you got a couple of those little fun whoopies. No, oh, they're all live tonight. Holy smoke. Speaking of fun cars, we have with us the Peugeot, by the way, which has more than adequate brakes in case you're interested. 
And uh, this is the kind of stuff you know. It does. It really does. And these are the kind of things you never mention in American commercials about cars. It has good brakes, and the paint stays on. And and furthermore, yes, that is a that is a revolutionary statement. And I'll tell you another thing that happens with this car. It is totally trimmed in stainless steel. Now I'll never forget buying myself a car a couple of years ago, and eight minutes after I got it, it had the green crud, which you couldn't get off. <laughs> and seriously, this is a fine automobile, the Peugeot, and it's got a sliding roof, and it's got all kinds of whoopy things, and it works. And furthermore, it is a car that you can drive for thousands of miles and never have any trouble, believe me. And it handles at corners like many sports cars wish they could. And this is uh, coming from an old Peugeot man. And I would suggest you look at it at 2 East 46, all right? Peugeot. It's French. Peugeot. Uh, let's see, we have happiness with us tonight. And, uh, isn't that a great name for a restaurant after all this fun talk here? Oh, really? I'm serious. They're going to come. You know, you know, of course, now that they've got soaps on the market, simply called fun. Nothing is sadder than than to see a lady down on her knees trying to scrub off the tile floor of the kitchen that's been baked in and 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 tramped in for a hundred. Have you noticed that? That's another thing too. The I wonder whether people relate the reality of their experience with what they see on the TV commercial screen. Have you noticed how every cleaner you see on the screen is magical? Yeah, all she does is sprinkle a little bit in the, in the sink and boop, everything's gone. No problem. You notice, how many of you know who the, who the lady plumber is? I'll award you a brass fit. Do you know the lady plumber is a great ex-child star? I wonder how many people know that. That's right. I'll award you a brass figure with bronze oak leaf palm. If you can tell me the name of the lady plumber, you know, the one that has no problems, she just sprinkles it in the whoop, the stains come off. Uh, yeah, and, and speaking of magical cleaners, how about the one where the guy rides through with a white horse? And he goes, poo, and they stand in nothing, you know, no problem. How about the one where the, where the, where, uh, you pour the stuff into, into the, uh, into the, uh, into the, uh, whatever it is, the washing machine, and it's all of a sudden 30 feet tall, you go, boom, and everything flies out clean, and she just stands and watches it. Well, I wonder whether people relate what they see on the screen to their own experience. Have you ever tried any of those magical cleaners on, let's say, uh, somebody's poor little tar on your floor? You know, have you ever really tried it? Have you ever tried any any of these one-and-a-half-second automobile polishes that they always advertise and try to actually clean a car with that, the way they do on, on TV? Now, uh, there's a gum commercial that says, Double Your Fun. Well, have you ever really tried to double your fun by chewing that gum? <laughs> I mean, you know, it's not so easy. Oh, we better get back to happiness. We have with us happiness tonight. And uh, they, uh, they're a great restaurant, by the way. They're up between 93rd and 94th on Broadway. And it is truly a happy restaurant. It's a, it's a great Chinese restaurant. They serve a 10-course meal that doesn't stop, man. Uh, for two dollars and a quarter, and it's family style. You can eat all you want. You can be a fantastic total slob on Chinese food and go staggering out, all wonton souped up, and the <laughs> offer. Yeah, that's a terrible thing. You can get a terrible jag of wonton soup on the way they make it. This is happiness. It's between 93rd and 94th, and they're open seven days a week. And it is one of my favorite restaurants in town here. Uh, they have, oh, by the way, they have a big uh, mural right in the front there by an old friend of mine, a famous artist. Have you seen that place up there? 
famous uh, mural type guy. But it's a good restaurant. It's 93rd. Okay, happiness. All right. All right. They have a barzy for those of you who worry about that. Many of you do. <laughs> Picture of happiness and fun. Let's see what else we have here. We have uh, Paper Book Gallery. Oh, hey, listen, here's a note. This is kind of funny. Uh, I'm going to read this paper book note. Now, you can start the commercial right now, Jim. Here we go. Go. A note. Our paper book trade-in sale is a great success. People love the idea of getting rid of the paperbacks they no longer need and getting brand new books and prints for them. Listen to the story. One woman brought in seven cartons and said, oh, Thank God, you've saved my marriage. Her husband could not stand the mess of having books they had already read lying all over the place, but she couldn't bear to throw them out. When she heard me talk on the air about the trade-in sale, she put together enough books to get a credit of $44.70. So uh, if your marriage is going on the rocks, I would suggest you take 7,000 paper books and take them. You'd be surprised what, what a little extra fist-fighting room in your home will do. And if you'd like to find out about this, call them at YU92226. They'll pick up your paper books and put them to good use. And we have one more. Don't worry, honey. I'm right on top of it. Castro. Oh, there's nothing better than being right on top of a Castro convertible at certain times. Under certain which I can think of right at this time, at this moment, which are impossible to obtain because I'm working. But nevertheless, for those of you who are sleep fans, who are sacking out fans, I would suggest you consult with your Castro dealer. They have over 2,000 styles of Castro convertibles that can be disguised as almost anything you care to disguise them as. They are majestic and beautiful and come in many different assortments. If you've got bad taste, they've got those. If you've got superb taste, they've got those. And there are 37 different stores, even in Philadelphia, speaking of bad taste. They have a Castro convertible place there. Now, is that it? Oh, crying out loud, speaking of fun. Hasn't this been fun, gang? I mean, don't you feel cleaner, brighter? Doesn't your gut feel flatter? Now that you've listened to old Shep, don't your knees feel looser? And speaking of noose, loose, goose, noose, loose, goose, loose knees, we will be at the limelight at five minutes past ten this Saturday night till midnight having, oh boy, is it fun. Oh, wow, do we have fun. And if you'd like to have fun, call up the limelight right now and get them on the phone and say, please, I'd like to reserve a place for me and mine to have fun Saturday night. Old Shep is here. Whoopee! Wow. Holy smokes. Let's go running through the park, shall we, together? Oh, wow. 